we all, all ought to want to know what Jesus meant by what he said. I found in my life, I've often understood what somebody said, but I didn't know always what they meant. And this is to help us to know what was meant by, uh, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thirst. Well, now I'm going to take the, the last two sayings uh, of Jesus on the cross. And uh, the first one was, it is, it is finished. And so all those things that uh, they have been talking about Wednesday, even today, uh, Jesus says, uh, it is finished. And we want to know what is finished. Um, recently, I heard uh, someone teaching said, it's not finished. You don't understand what's going on. I said, no, the work that Jesus had is finished. Our work is not. But we take with us a finished work. The work, when you receive Christ, you receive all God has to give you. God has nothing to give you outside of Christ. Absolutely nothing. Everything comes through Christ. And I know there are people who would like to debate when you have time. Let's do it. My subject today is assignment completed, a perfect handoff. And, and my, my, the imagery I have is you've done everything that God gave you to do, and now you are going to make a handoff, a quarterback giving the ball to the running back or delivering it to a, a wide receiver. It is, it's, that is the image, imagery I would like for you to have. Now, let's, let's look at this, uh, and we'll, we'll just go quickly, and uh, if you don't understand, you just find out when we're going to be preaching this in a, in a thorough and teaching it in a thorough way. Christ had a laser focus. Uh, his uh, vision was laser focused as to what his mission was. He knew his mission. And you and I cannot really complete a mission without knowing what the mission is and what the mission requires of us. Jesus knew both what it was and what it required of him. He knew he was born to die. He was the, the, the sacrificial lamb. So my desire today is that you and I will be likewise, that this resurrection day would be a powerful day for us, and we will give ourselves to the Lord and allow him to change us, not just be a person who goes to church. So Jesus has given each of us a work to do. And so I would like to pursue that by pursuing Christ. I never teach you pursue the thing. Pursue the person, and you will lay hold of the thing. That's what God wants for you. Amen. And this is what it looks like in, in Hebrews 10. Uh, the Scripture gives us an understanding of what things were like in the divine counsel of God. Because God is one, but there are three persons in the unity, in the, in the, uh, in the union or the unity. He says here in uh, Hebrews 10:5, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. Wow. But a body you have prepared for me. So he's saying ultimately God wasn't interested in uh, animals being sacrificed for man's sin. It would just remove it until the perfect time had come when God would take um, his son, actually his son would give his life, and God would take that as an offering for sin. Because an innocent animal re, uh, removed it, sort of delayed the, the justice, delayed the punishment. But he wanted somebody who would take it all away. And the only person who could take it all away was Jesus Christ, God's only son. Only son.
And so he said here, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. So that was not really fulfilling to God. Then I said, this is Jesus talking in the Godhead. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. And so from Genesis to Malachi, it was all written about one person. Luke chapter 24 tells us that the whole of the Bible was written about this one man. And we sometimes, as Bible teachers and, and preachers and so forth, we get stuck on the personalities, what I call the minor characters of the Bible. You know, have you ever watched a movie and you were more excited about uh, some lesser character than you were the main character? If you were, I think you meant you missed the main point of the movie. It's always about the main character. Yeah, there are supporting actors. But in our Bible story, in the book, as it is written here, in the volume of the book, all of the minor characters got their ability from the major character, the main character. And so here we find... In John chapter 19, verses 29 and 30, it says, Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. Now, this was after he had uttered the words, I thirst. So there, there are several ways, or at least two ways, you can look at the I thirst. Because there, he is thirsting for something greater, but his physical thirst had greater import than just physical. When he first came to the cross, they had uh, this uh, sedative there, this uh, potion, vinegar and, and whatever, this uh, wine vinegar that was mixed. There was sort of anesthetize you against the pain, kind of make you what we used to call in the oil business, rum dumb. You know, after you, you stayed there for about 48 hours, you were rum dumb, they would say. You know, you were still moving, but you didn't have much in you. So they wanted to give it to Jesus, refused it. I don't want that. Because he, he wanted to suffer what the Father intended for him to suffer. He was going to have our sins on him, and he want, wanted to be coherent. He wanted to know what was going on through that process, not to be drunk and doing God's will. That might speak to somebody also. And so at this particular juncture, he says, so Jesus had said, I thirst, probably like this, because he had, he had said, uh, uh, early on, Father, forgive them for they don't know what to do. He was just on the cross. He had been beaten all night. He was tired, obviously. But Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. These people are really messing up. And, and then uh, he said uh, to the thief who saw uh, how graciously he died, and the thief said, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to stop talking bad about this man. He's dying like no other man has died. He's dying like he's innocent. He's praying and asking God to forgive Folks who are killing him? What kind of man is this? So he stopped. The other thief on the other side kept railing, but this one stopped. And he said, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And then Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. So Jesus stops dying. And then he also stops dying. He looks at his mother. I love the way uh, Pastor Stan talked about that. He looked at his mother. The disciples all had fled except one, John. John was still there. John is the one who leaned on his breast when Jesus was telling them that one of them was going to betray him. And John is the only one. All of the other said, who is it? Who is it? John, no, no. They said, uh, is it I? Is it I? Is it I? They kept saying, is it I? Is it I? And John says, who is it? 
That shows you the difference. And so what John did, John was there with him to the end. And so he says, uh, behold your son to Mary, his mother. Behold your son, behold your, your mother. And so Jesus was giving out his energy to say, making those statements. We have to understand that this was not like you saying these statements. This is a dying man who's been sleep deprived, beaten, beaten and beaten to a pulp, had to carry a, an old heavy cross. And now he's on a cross, he's, he's, he's dying. And so now he says, when darkness covers the earth, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he's crying out, I thirst. And so now he goes, I, I thirst, I thirst. And then some guy took the, soldier took the, the, the vinegar potion and gave it to Jesus goes, I remember reading this when I was younger. I read it over and over, and I'm thinking, no, Jesus didn't take it. No, he didn't take it before, but at this time, he tasted it. Perhaps Jesus tasted it, not to numb the pain, but so that he could have a victorious shout. He was just to, to wet his palate, <clears throat> to give him, to stop his throat from sticking together where he could not talk. And now, because he has to say something, because it's now 3 o'clock and he's, he needs to die because the morning offering is at 9 o'clock and the evening offering is at 3 o'clock and he's on the cross from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And now he doesn't have much of a voice. And so he says, I thirst, and, and they gave him this solution. Now he says, it is finished. That's what Jesus is saying. Because, I mean, it is accomplished. It's amazing. He is the first man on the planet to die a victorious death. No one has ever died a victorious death except Jesus. And now we, the people of God, can also die a victorious death death. Why? Because we are in Christ and Christ is in us. So you too will die a victorious death. Hallelujah somebody in the house. You know I like that Eli Eli Lama Sabachthani and here Jesus utters a word. It is finished. He doesn't use English. He uses these words. Tetelestai Tetelestai so he's saying, it is finished. And so then the Bible says, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. He gave up his spirit. See, Jesus said it is finished because he was appointed, in he, according to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26 through 28, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus did not die for good people. Jesus died for the ungodly. But we Christians today so often, we only want to do good deeds for people who deserve it. Jesus died for the undeserving. We should bless the undeserving because we have the spirit of Jesus. And then the, the Bible says in Matthew 26, 28, it says, for this is my blood. When Jesus is in the Last Supper, he is... Uh, uh, giving them, as it were, we call it like communion, was a Passover. He says, this is my, the blood, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And so Jesus is saying that this is representing my blood, my shed blood for you. 
In Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We are not the righteousness of God, just, but is in him. Because now a man is seated. I, I love what has been said. For the first time in the history of the earth, a man ascended to heaven. I know that there are those who are Bible scholars who would say, no, that's not accurate, Pastor Don. Enoch went to heaven and uh, Elijah went to heaven. No, they went up into the heavens. There's a difference. They were caught up into the heavens, but they did not go to heaven because Jesus must have preeminence, the highest rank in everything. So, hallelujah, somebody in the house. And so, so, so Jesus is the first man. God said to him, come up here and sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a stool for your feet. And so Jesus is the first man on the planet to go to heaven. The Bible says he led captivity captive. He led those who had been waiting on the Messiah. You know, we, we used to sing a song, my Redeemer is coming. My Redeemer is coming. Well, our Redeemer has come, and he is coming again. He is coming again. He said, it is finished. He is the one who said, tete lestai. It is finished. It is accomplished. It is accomplished. Everything that the Bible has ever spoken of, it is accomplished. Everything that man needs for salvation, it is accomplished. The sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God, he is here now hanging on the cross. That's what that meant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hanging between two thieves, two thieves, fulfilling Isaiah 53, 12. Having people down at the of the cross gambling for his clothing, fulfilling uh, Psalm 22. Here, having people reviling him, talking ugly of him, shouting, no, I approve that. Uh, let her go. She's okay. She's okay. She's okay. Now, if you're going to come up and preach, I don't know if that's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Come. You want to come? I let it. That's okay. Yeah. One day when a mom tells her what she did, she said, I didn't do that, mom. Okay. Okay. Here you go. Love you. Okay. Bless you. She said, no, no, no. I'm glad you're here. As they were reviling Jesus on the cross, the, he fulfilled the psalm which was so aptly read in the psalm, where, in Psalm 22, where David described the attacks upon Jesus uh, as animalistic. And even today, people are animalistic toward Jesus. But you and I know that he lives. We know that he has risen from the dead because his spirit lives within us. There are those who say, well, I don't know that. I haven't felt anything yet. You have to repent of your sin and ask Jesus to come into your heart, and he will do it. He has done it for all, so many of us here today. But, but the psalmist described them as lion-like men, dogs, lions, ravages, ravenous beasts, dogs. Not like your little poodle, you know, but the real dogs. I grew up in a day when there were real dogs in the neighborhood, right? Real dogs. You walk down the street and dogs would attack you. 
And that's what it was like. Yeah, you're walking down, minding your own business. And they would, as it, as it were, they would say, they would act like, you're not supposed to be here. This is my territory. And that's what the, the crowd was basically saying to Jesus. Who do you think you are? Who do you think? If you're the son of God, come down from the cross. Come down from the cross. Save yourself, you know. But he didn't because if he had come down, we could never go up. Jesus was determined to do the Father's will. I'm not going to go much further into this. But Jesus, when he said the words, tete lestai, what he was saying was, I have completed my task, my assignment. I have completed my work. There's no more work to do. Jesus was, was saying so much. He was meaning so much by that. It would be as if you, had, you dismi- uh, gave somebody a, wor- a job to do, and they came back and finished it. It, it also means I, I, I can hear the words of Dad Alan Vincent shouting out, and he would say, Jesus said, teleos. That's the same as tete lestai. He said, teleos. It is complete. And Alan would say, it means Nothing more to pay. Nothing more to pay. Paid in full. Paid in full. Amazing. Now let me just say this as I go to my seat. We're going to receive communion together and we invite all of you to join us. But let me just say if somebody had right now because they loved you went out and bought one of these expensive homes that everybody, no matter what it is, it's expensive these days. And they went out and they, they paid for your house and they paid it in full. And they came and said, I want to give you something. And they came to, to you and said, here, this is a gift for you. All you have to do is receive it from my hand. And uh, you say, well, but how, how much? They said, it's free. What? Are you sure? Said, no more to pay. Nothing else to pay. You take this and go. That's what Jesus has done. When he said, Tete, let's die. It is finished. It is finished for everybody in the whole world. It is finished. And so the cry of Jesus from the cross says, It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. And all sinners must plunge beneath that flood and lose all their guilt and stain. It is finished. And when he said those words, the next words he uttered was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he died. Only man who was in charge of his own execution, the only man on this planet who dismissed his spirit, only man. So you too, when it looks like all hope is lost, all hope is lost. It's not lost. Sometimes you look at your situation and think, hopeless, not hopeless. Jesus was in charge of his own execution. He was the boss. They had done enough to kill him, but he didn't die until it was time. Paul, an example of that, and this is your example. When Paul the Apostle was on his way to Rome, to, he had appealed to Caesar. He was on his way to Rome. There was a centurion on the, on the boat, on the ship. There was a captain of the ship, and there were various officers. 
But when an angel came one night to talk about their fate, he didn't go to the centurion. He didn't go to the captain of the vessel. And everybody knows in modern uh, seafare uh, talk, the captain is a law on the ship. The captain is a law, but the angel didn't go to him. He went to the man of God. And he said, Paul, this is what we're going to do. He said, I'm going I'm to give everybody into your hands here. I'm going to save you, and I'm going to save everybody who, who's sailing with you. So Paul shows us what the Christian life is about. You may be in stocks. You may be bound. You may not have the most favorable situation in your life, but God left us in charge. He said, do my business till I come back. And that's our position. In Jesus' name, we'll come back in a minute.